Leaky gut is kind of the slang term for intestinal permeability. Welcome to the Primer Blueprint Podcast. And so that'll be what you'll find from our studios in Malibu, California. Finding the scientific research. Mark Sisson, thanks for joining us again with another podcast, and we're mixing it up, as promised, with another interview guest, a very interesting topic, Solving Leaky Gut, and we have Steve Wright joining us, so thank you very much for joining us, Steve. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm particularly excited about the conversation today because um, I've I've been dealing with uh, leaky gut my whole life. I didn't realize it at the time. Uh, I just assumed that my GI problems were a result of my type A personality or maybe a couple of uh, wrong food choices here and there. But as I look back over my life, um, I, I, I recognize now that I've been dealing with leaky gut. But because you're the expert on today's show, Steve, tell us what is meant by the term leaky gut. <laughs> well, Mark, you uh, you just published an amazing article about it. So I definitely want to you know, say how good of a, a synopsis that was. But yeah, for those people who haven't read that, leaky gut is kind of the slang term for intestinal permeability. And so that'll be what you'll find in the scientific research. And the the short story is just that your gut walls are supposed to only allow certain sizes of molecules and certain types in. And uh, you might think of it like maybe a cheesecloth. And in leaky gut, it tends to look like a chain link fence. And basically anything can go through. And so when this happens, um, toxins, uh, food particles that are undigested, bacteria, viruses, any of those things could just leak right through. And then the immune system gets really angry when that stuff goes through and causes all kinds of downstream effects. Okay. And what are some of those downstream effects? Well, you know, right away, 80% of your immune system is located in your gut. So it's uh, right outside the gut wall. And so I think there's a really important point that a lot of people don't really sit back and think, wow, 80% of my ability to sort of generate inflammatory responses are housed in my gut. And so when those particles uh, go right through there, an inflammatory cascade starts where the immune system begins to try to attack them. It will also start to make uh, antibodies, which can travel throughout. Um, you know, the, the inflammation, the antibodies come in to basically propagate out throughout the body. So you have local systemic inflammation, and then you end up with body-wide um, inflammation. And of course, it appears at this point, um, you know, this is just my opinion, but it appears at this point that we obviously have genetic um, sort of weak links. And so my family, it's heart disease and, and other families, it's breast cancer or something else. It could be like celiac disease. And so when these inflammatory cascades begin to, to go and propagate throughout the system, it seems to lead towards uh, these chronic diseases. So if you Google intestinal permeability and your disease of choice, you're going to find associations with everything out there from heart disease to cancer to autoimmune diseases. So yeah, you mentioned the term weak link. I like that. Um, basically, what you're saying is that if you have a genetic predisposition to something uh, through your family, um, w whether it's heart disease or cancer um, or type 2 diabetes or maybe it's uh, you know, maybe it's um, Hashimoto's thyroiditis or type 1 diabetes, that this systemic inflammation may help that process along and speed up the, the fate that you are awaiting because of your predisposition, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, Mark. It's, it's not that leaky gut is the cause of, of all of these diseases or anything like that, but it's found in an association. And, you know, we are still very uh, learning just what the gut does 
how involved it is with all these diseases. But it definitely appears that um, from all the research so far, you know, if you want to speed along heart disease, the best thing you can do is wreck your gut. Yeah, and and when you wreck your gut and you and you have that um, that leaky gut and you have that inflammatory response and that systemic in- inflammation, um, then the inflammation sort of goes rampant, and if it's going to precipitate itself with messing with your blood chemistry, your blood lipids, for instance, and causing uh, plaque formation, that's where it'll go. Or if you have a predisposition toward uh, uh, thyroiditis, for instance, and you've so- something on the cells of the thyroid may may um, uh, imitate or look like uh, a food particle that got into your system that the immune system had set up a response against, it would it would go attack your thyroid. Is that sort of a an accurate um, assessment? Yeah, yeah. And you're actually starting to speak about like molecular mimicry and what can happen with autoimmune disease where, um, you know, Dr. Alessio Fasano, he's one of the, probably I'd say the top researcher for celiac disease in the world. Um, he discovered zonulin, which is uh, the, the number one signal that makes your gut leak. Um, and so uh, he's pretty much like the go-to guy right now for leaky gut research and how it all works. And he basically says in order to have autoimmune disease, you have to first have um, leaky gut. You have to have intestinal permeability. So basically what he's saying is that if you have Hashimoto's or Graves or any other autoimmune disease, um, you had to have leaky gut to begin with it. Not sure if you still have it, even though you have the disease now. But um, yeah, that's that's the first step. And then, um, you know, when this these inflammatory cascades begin to go throughout the entire body, and there's a lot of like cool new studies about uh, depression and how like 30% or so of people could have depression related to leaky gut, but there's the inflammatory cascade theory of depression now. Um, anyways, all of this inflammation and all of these issues that that costs the body more resources. And one of the number one ways to turn off inflammation is through hormones, especially hormones like cortisol. So cortisol gets kind of a bad rap. Um, I like to never really talk about hormones as being good or bad. Like we need the we need an adequate amount of every single one at the right time. And so cortisol is a really important hormone for turning off inflammation. And so if if you're having all this chronic inflammation, um, your immune system is going to get out of whack, and you need hormones to regulate the immune system. So at the same time of this sort of chronic inflammation that's increasing your risk of wherever your weak link is, you begin to burn your resources that would typically make you feel vibrant and alive and have a great libido. And so that sort of just starts this chronic health slide. So the, um, so the release of cortisol um, is a secondary effect of this uh, inflammation or this uh, l- leaky gut that, that leads to systemic inflammation that uh, leads to uh, uh, a cortisol response, which maybe could manifest itself in um, adrenal insufficiency later on because you're taxing that system. You're using those resources, as you said. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, One of the latest research studies I saw was that cortisol uh, potentially changes up to 2,000 epigenetic switches in the immune system. So we don't know exactly how it plays, but um, in general, it's thought that cortisol begins to turn off that inflammation. And like you said, if you're sort of um, 
if the cortisol is being upregulated all the time to turn off this inflammation, we can end up in the situation where the adrenals do get overtaxed. And um, if you're anything like probably Mark or I, you, you're uh, trying to do things with your family or trying to uh, build a business or have a great job and, and uh, maybe play some sports. And so that's just another chronic stressor on the cortisol pathway that, that can lead to extra you know, health issues. Right. So back to the leaky gut. So the, the, this um, molecule zonulin, let's talk a little bit about zonulin and what we know about it. Yeah, sure. So so my understanding of zonulin is right now it's the number one signal for um, the tight junctions, whether they open or close. And so that um, your cells in your body uh, aren't just like people standing in a line side by side. They actually have to be connected so they don't um, fall out of line, basically. And so there's um, in the intestinal lining, there's several junctions. Um, the most important one and the one that's at the surface is the tight junction. And so that one is the one that's going to uh, regulate whether or not things get into the body that aren't supposed to be there. And so we used to think that the tight junctions were um, what they called like a wall or a, a gate where nothing was supposed to get in. It was, it was kind of like a medieval defense mechanism where you know, the tight junctions and zonulin were there to make sure nothing went between the cells. Now we know that, that actually um, our guts are supposed to regulate based on different things. So for instance, if we get really hot, actually um, the, the tight junctions begin to open up and zonulin is part of that signaling pathway. It's, it's the number one signal that we know of right now that, that begins to open up those junctions. And if you want a, a good analogy to picture how those junctions work is like shoelaces. So you can tighten your shoe down and all of the, the shoelaces are overlapping and the, the holes get really small. And then obviously you can loosen your shoelaces and they get very wide. And so this is a, it's a common analogy that Dr. Tom O'Brien tells a lot. Um, I think it's really useful here. And so zonulin really controls that spacing. Um, and so I think it's, it's really important to have good zonulin control. And we know that with people with celiac disease, that they have an overexpression of zonulin that's extremely high. Um, and they don't necessarily know how to turn it off yet or if it actually ever does get turned off. But it's very important in this whole conversation. Right. So what is it that affects the release of zonulin? And what are, are, there, are there foods? Uh, are there conditions? Uh, is stress a factor? What is it that, that uh, would cause the zonulin to go haywire? Yeah, well, right now, uh, the research team that we kind of hired and that I've been looking into this for the last year, um, we've identified at least 19 pretty much sort of proven at this point in time triggers of leaky gut and, and would begin to uh, cause zonulin issues. Um, obviously, this is going to change. There'll be more, I'm sure, in the future. But you, you mentioned it, things like um, stress, uh, GI infections, any sort of trauma or damage to the gut lining. Um, some common ones that people uh, really don't ever think about are things actually like um, chronic NSAID use. So, um, you know, reaching for ibuprofen and Motrin on a regular basis for the weekend warriors or people with PMS, that's a big no-no. Um, actually, you know, this one's not getting a whole lot of play yet, but traumatic brain injuries, and that includes like concussions. And so, you know, for myself, I've had like six or seven really bad concussions. So once you begin to have those types of things, you, you immediately cause issues with the gut barrier and how leaky it is. Um, you mentioned gluten, gliadin. There was a study that's shown that um, that essentially begins to cause intestinal permeability through zonulin release in celiacs and non-celiacs, and that came out a few years ago. So um, you want to definitely remove grains if you haven't done that yet. I'm, I'm sure most of your podcast listeners, though, have already done that with the Primal Blueprint. But then, of course, alcohol, sleep deprivation, things like that are also huge triggers of zonulin and leaky gut. 
Now, alcohol. So that's a uh, a favorite new subject of mine because I'm uh, known for being a uh, proponent of a little bit of red wine on the Primal Blueprint eating strategy. And um, I want to I want to know more about the effects of alcohol on leaky gut. I'm you you have said at times excess alcohol, but what does that mean? Excess alcohol, and what is the you know what is it the, about alcohol that can affect gut permeability? And is it all about zonulin, by the way? No, no, it's not all about zonulin, and and I'm definitely not an alcohol leaky gut expert, but I'll do my best based on the fact that I too enjoy some red wine, and uh, this is this is a fascination of mine. Um, so ethanol, which you know, obviously that's that's what gets us drunk, um, does just damage the cells in and of itself. Um, and so there's there's potential here for like a hormesis effect where a little bit uh, of alcohol could um, maybe help the body and at a chemical level as well as maybe reduce your stress. Um, and of course, things like red wine have lots of other nutrients. So it's not just ethanol. You're not just drinking straight ethanol. So there's lots of complex variables to take into account here. What we know from the research is that um, drinking alcohol more than say like two glasses a day is going to be increasing your risk of, of things like small intestinal bacteria overgrowth and, uh, and other, that, that's an overgrowth of your good bacteria in the small intestine. It becomes a problem. It's um, a lot of people who are having like gas, bloating, uh, alternating constipation, diarrhea, they're, they're typically suffering from SIBO. So um, alcohol is, is a huge risk factor for uh, SIBO. And then of course, um, it, just causing gut damage to the actual cells through the ethanol um, has the likelihood of increasing le- leaky gut. That and there's been no controlled studies like um, you know leakiness in alcohol that I've seen yet. But yeah, um, yeah, I was going to say that. Um, so with that in mind, I have um, and 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 it's interesting because I've you know you look at the studies on red wine, uh, many of which would suggest that people who drink red wine up to one or two glasses a day live longer than people who don't drink any alcohol at all. Um, interesting studies and, and fascinating population dynamics because in many cases those studies look at what are overall unhealthy populations to begin with. So they take an unhealthy population of people who don't drink and an unhealthy p- population of people who drink a little bit and they find that the unhealthy population that drinks a little bit lives longer. But I suspect that there's a lot more going on there. It may be a blood thing of thinning effect. Uh, there may be some, some other fact. It may be the stress reduction effect. But the bottom line is ethanol is poison. Ethanol is a toxic uh, substance. And interesting that you, you mentioned the term uh, as a hormetic or the, the concept of hormesis, which is basically a little bit of poison once in a while, may cause the body to respond positively. Um, but a lot of poison over time will kill you. And it may be that that's what we're looking at with, with alcohol. So I have, I'm, I'm now seven weeks into a very, very reduced wine intake strategy. I uh, went 30 days without any alcohol of any kind and then had a couple of glasses of wine, two glasses with uh, dinner at a, at a celebration a couple of weeks ago and then back to no drinking at all. And I have to say that my GI tract is working very, very well on no alcohol. So whereas there is not much research that's been a- accumulated on this, my own particular study of one, you know, my N equals one experiment is suggesting to me that perhaps I'm a person who's probably better off without any alcohol, at least in terms of gut permeability. What do you think about that? I think what you're doing is fascinating and and I'm glad you shared it because 
uh, I think we all need to be doing more of these N equal one studies on ourselves because we come into um, looking at our own health with with variables that nobody else can replicate. Like you have a different gut flora than everybody else on the planet. Um, you also have a, a different history of injuries of of you know how you've lived your life, how long you've been eating the primal blueprint. Um, so you have all these different variables that none of us have. And so I think that sets us all up for sort of asking the question, you know, regardless of what these studies suggest, when I partake in a certain food or alcohol, you know, how does it make me feel? I, I know personally, along with you, that while I, I do, you know, enjoy alcohol, I do enjoy the social benefits of it, and I do enjoy the taste, and I, I like what the research suggests about nutrients, that if I partake a little too often, um, my acne comes back. And it, it comes back very slightly, but, you know, after having basically like a pizza face, I get a little, little upset even when I get one pimple. So um, I definitely think it's something that once we've, um, once we've been sick, your um, resistance to these triggers of leaky gut become uh, less. So, uh, for instance, like if you have always had stellar health, um, maybe you can have alcohol more often than, than those of us who've been sick and had to fight our way back. So can you, can you fix a leaky gut? Can you, can you get back to 100% from a damaged gut? Yeah, I think so. I, and remember that intestinal permeability, it, there's always going to be a little bit of it. So there's no such thing as uh, – it's, it's sort of a myth out there that you can seal this off like a brick and mortar or something. That's, that's old thinking. Um, that's what medical community used to think. So there's always going to be some permeability and that's how the – it's part of how the immune system is trained. Um, it, we actually absorb some nutrients in critical periods of time um, it, from that as well. So – um, the goal is really just, I think, to cultivate uh, good gut lining, good gut health on a regular basis. Now, if you're somebody who's in chronic health, yes, you can fix this. You can turn this around if you have autoimmune disease or some of these other digestive issues that are pretty common with a leaky gut or if, if you have test results that show it. Um, you, you start with removing those triggers that we were talking about earlier and then really focusing in on a diet like the Primal Blueprint, removing um, removing any other Incoming dietary toxins, like some people with with autoimmunity, should probably try to avoid eggs and nightshades and things like that for a little while and see if they do better. Um, and then you want to try to figure out what the root cause is here. So for some people, that could be just chronic stress. Um, it could be you know like a long distance running or, or crossfitting five or six times a week, things like that. But more often than not, there's typically uh, like a GI infection or some sort of hormone disruption, something that needs to be typically found with a practitioner. And once you isolate that and get rid of it, that's when your health really takes like a quantum leap. So is, is there a test, uh, a true test for leaky gut syndrome? Yeah. So there's, there's two on the market right now. Um, they both have their drawbacks. And so as a consumer with you know, probably not an unlimited budget, you kind of have to try to figure out where you should best spend your money. So there's the lactulose mannitol test, which is the old school uh, test. It, you, lactulose and mannitol are sugars. You essentially absorb them at different rates according to the research. But there's a lot of issues with uh, individual gut flora and damage to the gut lining. And so it's not a perfect test. Um, and then, of course, now there's uh, Cyrex array number two. And so Cyrex tried to sort of solve the issues with the lactulose mannitol test. 
um, and, and check to see about antibodies like LPS um, in the bloodstream, which would indicate that your gut lining isn't functioning properly and your immune system's upregulated. So that's a cool new test as well, um, but it's, it's not really proven yet um, as far as there's been no third-party research um, either comparing the two or really saying that that, that is a, a great way to do it. Um, what I'd say is that um, you can also just use the research, like I said. If the research and your symptomology matches leaky gut, you could begin to put the rest of your money into maybe something like a, a gut pathogen test um, or, or maybe some supplements or something or a better diet to, to begin to heal it because I think it's very clear, especially if you have autoimmune disease, that leaky gut is likely happening. Uh, Steve, excuse me, what about the quiz... Um, that, that you can take for just the, um, the subjective uh, symptoms and health conditions that you might report? Yeah, yeah. So that's what we tried to do um, just based on those tests because those tests uh, sometimes are typically not covered by insurance. So you're looking at $150 to $250 to just find out if you have it. So we tried to take the research and boil it down to 10 questions um, and then give people that test to be able to sort of get their own risk tolerance for whether or not they have leaky gut. Obviously, it's not a diagnosis. It, it can't give you that. But it can give you sort of a risk factor. You know, if you end up having five yeses or something, that's pretty strong based on the research that you're suffering with intestinal permeability. Yeah. Now, you um, you suggest that you started out on the uh, specific carbohydrate diet, and that was your initial um, discovery and pathway into uh, into solving the mystery for you and perhaps curing your leaky gut. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. So I before I knew about you know primal way of eating and paleo, I was first introduced uh, via the specific carbohydrate diet, and that's I best I guess the way that I was eating it was not with the dairy and not with the legumes. So I was essentially eating like a, a primal way of eating minus chocolate and minus uh, red wine and minus starch. And uh, I used to have extremely bad IBS, gas, bloating, alternating constipation, diarrhea, and in three days just switching my diet stopped all of those acute symptoms. And then it's been the last six years of asking the question, okay, how can I feel healthier and healthier? And it wasn't um, things like my skin didn't respond right away. You know, several years into that um, SCD, and then I found paleo and primal. I found you, Mark, actually first before paleo. Um, and so started to get these other new nuggets and diet nuggets. But two years in, I still had acne. Um, I still would have random, you know, IBS stuff that would happen every six weeks. And that's when um, going through, you know, like $35,000 worth of practitioners and copays and tests. Um, I got to the place where I figured out that I had adrenal issues. I had three gut infections. Um, I had some neurotransmitter imbalances and it's been a, a progress of, of getting healthier and then turning around and creating things that would have helped me like five years ago to cut that time down. And so that's really what, that's my, my mission right now. Right. So that's your, your intent is to help other people, um, do what you've done, which is to get a hold of your, um, leaky gut and, uh, and basically fix your gut issues and in so doing to improve all other aspects of your health. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think the gut is the singular point uh, that's the most important organ for you to focus on if you want great health. If You know, you should be eating not only for your own cells and nutrients, but I think you should be eating for your gut and you should be living for your gut as well. Um, because I think once you lose that, you begin to lose health very quickly. And so I was just a, I was just an engineer who was pissed off because modern medicine wouldn't give me any answers. They said I wasn't sick enough and I was 60 pounds overweight with a bunch of acne, having depression, anxiety for the first time in my life. And, and they just said, you're not sick enough for us to really do anything. And I just thought that was, that's not how I wanted to live my life, yeah, you know, at that's, 23. 
That's typical for the industry, though. So, um, so when we talk about um, taking care of your gut, obviously we we can't overlook the microbiome that exists in the gut and the healthy bacteria. Um, so, th- what I'm finding interesting now, and I've said, oh, p- probably for the past year, I think that the major health um, initiative over the next two years will be the gut biome. Will be in, in general, the healthy gut, but also really specifically looking at the gut biome and the, 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 the probiotic bacteria that live in your gut and the amazing uh, benefits that they provide when they're healthy and, and, and quite the opposite when they're, when they're unhealthy, the amount of illness that can uh, happen as a result. And of course, a lot of that, all, uh, that illness results from the unhealthy bacteria leaking into the bloodstream and setting up those systemic inflammations. But the, where I'm going with this is, uh, so now we we look at, um, on the one hand, a, uh, a specific carbohydrate-type diet that looks at eliminating certain foods. On the other hand, uh, we, we look at the resistant starch effect, which has arisen recently, and the, and the idea that there are, we want to feed the uh, healthy bacteria in our gut these oligosaccharides that exist in certain foods. So we want to increase the amount of resistant starch. And then, of course, there's the whole FODMAP program that enters here, and, and, and the uh, assumption by those people that we should eliminate some of those resistant starches for short periods of time. So it's a very complex um, uh, mishmash of possible variables. How does it all work into the program that, that you talk about? Yeah, that's you make a great point, Mark. And this this has been, you know, five years have been helping people with this stuff. And uh it, it's, it is complex, right? Because I do think that if you can tolerate it, having a diet that has resistant starch and, and creating that healthy microbiome is where you need to, that should be like the end goal. Um, but the reality is that people might be suffering with um, a damaged gut walls, really bad leaky gut or gut infections. And at that point in time, um, having starch and resistant starch or some of the FODMAPs, they might not be able to tolerate them at all. Um, and so, what we've kind of brought to the the solving leaky gut program is this idea of a fail safe approach to i mean i think i think medicine thinks this way too but as an engineer this is how we design cars which is my background coming from the car industry is like you design the tire so that when one bolt breaks the wheel just doesn't fly off like it stays attached to the car so you don't die and so in the solving leaky gut program what we did was say okay let's go 30 days removing pretty much any trigger including things like starch and resistant starches so that we can allow everyone to get um basically allow the greatest benefit as fast as possible. And then at the 30-day mark, it becomes an anti-dogmatic program where we essentially list out all the rest of the foods, all the rest of the foods, excuse me, including properly prepared legumes and and raw dairy and things that are very controversial. But we just say, hey, look, test them like we were talking about with alcohol earlier. And based on where your health markers are at, based on where your symptomology is at, just include these you know, as you want, here's the research, you know, these ones probably don't offer a whole lot of nutrition and have more inflammatory factors. Um, but I'm not here to tell you that, you know, you shouldn't eat them. You know, you can make that call yourself. It's really interesting to me how these variables all play into each individual and everybody is different. And one of the things that I try to do with the primal blueprint and with Mark's daily apple is to educate people enough so that they can conduct these experiments to have people know enough about the outcomes or potential outcomes of different variables so that when they introduce them or when they remove them, they understand what's going on. And in the context of what you just said, um, even in my own experimentation, 
one of the things that I, <clears throat> I recognize about myself and about humans in general is that we tend to do what we can get away with. We tend to if, – if we're somebody who doesn't gain a lot of weight, we really don't pay that much attention to what we eat even though other <clears throat> um, markers of health may be declining because on the surface – and it, it would appear from body composition that we are lucky. We're genetically lucky. We don't store a lot of body fat. So we tend to not be so – uh, uh, adamant about eliminating certain foods or, or so careful about what we eat. We do what we can get away with. Those of us who don't get um, affected by, uh, by certain types of food in, a, uh, in terms of illness or, or uh, damage to the system, um, we do the same thing. So people, there are a lot of people who can eat gluten. They can get away with eating gluten. Um, I'd suggest it's not a lot of people, but there are some who probably can. And, and so we tend to to do what we can get away with. Now, in my own case, I know what my limits are with eating gluten. I have a tough time with with most gluten, but every once in a while I'll go to a restaurant and I'll see if I can, you know, get away with two bites of a piece of sourdough bread or something slathered in butter because I I sort of have determined where my limits are. But what I noticed and what I have noticed recently with regard to resistant starch is that if I've had a couple of of days or nights where I thought I could get away with something, maybe two glasses of wine plus a little bit of, of gluten because I was feeling uh, you know carefree, the resistant starch doesn't do what it's supposed to do. The resistant starch doesn't fix the problem. It actually exacerbates the problem. And that may be because on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis, I'm, I'm increasing gut permeability rather than decreasing it. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, it makes perfect sense, Mark. I, I think you're right on with this line of thinking. Um, I, I think our bodies are infinitely intelligent, and so I, I really believe that a healthy gut lining is going to be calibrating all the time to its environment, which would be the, the microflora that we're talking about um, uh, you know, manipulating here with resistant starch or just creating a great one. And then the variables, how much you're, you know, if you're traveling plus having wine, plus having gluten, you know, you're probably under, you know, that's like three stressors right there. And so, um, I think there's a ton of variables here that, uh, make it very hard to, to tease out exactly what's going on. But I, I think without a doubt, um, what you're talking about here, I, I don't know. I think the problem here is we don't know what your, um, current microflora levels are and we actually don't even know even if we knew what they were mark we don't know if they're optimal and so when you feed them a bunch of food a bunch of resistant starch you're just increasing what's already there and the problem is we don't necessarily yet understand um is that good or bad we know that a healthy diverse robust gut flora is great and we want to feed them um but we're not at the stage yet where we can indicate you know this strain is good this strain is bad and for and then when you you know, throw in epigenetics and genetics, man, that really complicates things. Right. So what do you think about probiotics and take the taking of probiotics? Um, they're definitely part of the Solving Leaky Gut program, and uh, I, I think they're great. Uh, I think personally in my experience uh, with, with a lot of uh, one-on-one consulting clients as well as myself is that um, – Soil-based organisms seem to do really well. So like prescriptocyst, I think those are, uh, you know, and I, I know you have some as well. Um, so um, I, I think those are a really good option. I, I feel like if you're not playing in the dirt somehow, whether you're a gardener or you have your own food source or something, I, I think that's a really good idea at this point. Um, and then 
as far as like supplementing with them, you know, maybe try to do the fermented foods route, but some people just can't do fermented foods. So if you can't do them, you know, I think supplementing with probiotics is a good idea. Um, but I, I think definitely when you're talking about fixing leaky gut and like the acute chronic health stage, definitely want to be looking in, I think both into like a, a multi-strain probiotic, like uh, lactobacillus bifidobacter strains, as well as a SBO based at the same time. Right, and a lot of the SBO-based ones, the soil-based organisms are um, are in the spore form, which tend to survive the environment that a bottle of um, supplemental probiotics would have to uh, endure on the shelf and after manufacturing. So that's one of the reasons that so many, uh, myself included, are going to the spore-forming uh, probiotics. Steve, this is great. This has been a tremendous overview on um, on all of the variables, or many of the variables. I'm sure there are a lot more on uh, solving leaky gut. In fact, you have a, a program called Solving Leaky Gut that you're offering. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, thanks, Mark. So, um, yeah, we just wanted to take out and, and disseminate all this information and make it accessible for the non-PhD, the non-doctor, as well as save you time and money like you know, the, what I was talking about earlier, speeding up the process of, of fixing leaky gut. So we've created an innovative program, I think, because it has a 60-question assessment. And based on that 60-question assessment, looking at your symptoms and, and your diagnosis, is it can spit you out into 22 different healing paths. And so it, it will cover constipation, diarrhea through different dietary protocols with meal plans, all the way down to uh, your risk factors for potentially having like a GI infection or, or hormone issues. And so I think it's a very innovative program because of that, because we know that in a way, we are all snowflakes, and this one-size-fits-all approach does not work. And so to try to create a, a program that fits the masses, it's, it's very difficult. And so that's what, as, as sort of engineers and people that are trying to help other people who are suffering with this stuff, that's kind of what we tried to bring to the table here with Solving Leaky Gut. And with, you know, we've put 600 people through it already through the first 60 days and got a ton of great results, people losing weight, people, um, you know, being able to get out of bed and go for walks with their kids now. And so I'm just really excited to be able to share um, a program that I think can speed up the time between um, finding out about this and, uh, you know, really getting your life back by, you know, months, maybe years, depending on the, the course you take. Awesome. Well, I, I will tell you that my life transitioned tremendously when I finally solved my leaky gut issues. It was the difference really between being um, cognizant of pain and suffering every single day of my life to being oblivious and actually having a great time and enjoying life. So um, I, I can't stress enough how important it is to to solve your leaky gut if you have one. And uh, I, so I think that uh, listeners, if they want to find out more about your program, can go to primalblueprint.com slash leaky gut primalblueprint.com slash leaky gut. Uh, Brad, do you have anything else to add? Yeah, and looking at that site, just the just the landing page and reading about it, it's there's an extensive amount of information just for free, just scrolling along and, and reading what it's all about, especially if you have these vague health problems and, and have not had success with Western medicine. Um, but as the show host, one of the perks is I got to log in and actually check out the course material. And I just have to say, Steve, you guys have done an unbelievable job, and the, there's so much material there, and it's a, such a comprehensive course. I mean, it's it's really like taking a college course for a semester on this topic that's directed to healing your own body for the user. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, there is nine hours of information in there. 
Um, we brought in Dr. Tom O'Brien because we knew that we needed, you know, specific supplement protocols that worked in clinical practice. So we did our best to um, present the information uh, for somebody who maybe has some kids and isn't into the research. But we also brought in the experts that we've talked with on a monthly basis and like grilled them to get super nerdy. So you get the best of both worlds. If you just want the action steps and the, the step-by-step handholding, that's the core of the program. And then outside of that, is really the best of the best, the top experts in the world getting super nerdy on the different issues. So that's why I think it's a really cool program. All right, Steve Wright of Solving Leaky Gut. So take some time and, and go visit that link, primalblueprint.com slash leaky gut. Pretty easy to remember. Thank you for listening to the Primal Blueprint podcast with Mark Sisson. Hey, the first ever PrimalCon New York is coming up soon on June 5th through 8th. That's a Thursday through Sunday weekend at the amazing Mohonk Mountain House in the Hudson Valley of New York. It's only about 80 miles from New York City. It's a beautiful, classic New York State Resort located right smack in the middle of an incredible state park surrounded by nature and wilderness. And we are going to have an amazing blend of unbelievable food at all custom primal buffets that the resort's preparing for us. An amazing slate of presenters doing all the educational discussions and physical activities and all kinds of fun and excitement outdoors like the hike through the world-famous labyrinth lemon squeeze up to the Mohawk Tower and also an amazing scavenger hunt where we form teams and go through all kinds of assorted team-related and physical challenges on the property. There's a beautiful lake there for stand-up paddling and kayaking and swimming. We're also going to introduce guests to the amazing sport of speed golf at the Mohawk Golf Course. So it is going to be another fantastic PrimalCon experience, and we sure hope you can join us. For details, visit PrimalBlueprint.com and look for the PrimalCon link where you can learn all about PrimalCon, the bios and videos from the presenters involved, and also a daily agenda of what you can expect at this amazing life-changing event. Hope to see you in Mohonk, New York on June 5th through 8th.